Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints losing its identity? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. That question comes from an article titled by Peggy Fletcher Stack in the Salt Lake Tribune. It was posted on September 26, 2021, updated on October 5, 2021. The title of it is Mormon Vanquished, Moroni Missing, Pageants Pulled, Is the LDS Church Losing Its Identity? The purpose of this article, I'm assuming by Peggy Fletcher Stack, is to interview some members of the church to get their opinion on some of the direction that the church seems to be going to now. And you would think that most Latter-day Saints would be really pleased with some of these changes, but it apparently, at least by some of those that are interviewed in this piece, there are some concerns. Now, one of those concerns was leveled by a man by the name of Ignacio Garcia, who's described as a BYU professor of history who grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And one of his complaints is that the church's move to be more home-centered is taking away from the community orientation that he liked as a younger member. What does he say about this? The church's push to become a, quote, home-centered, church-supported faith, end quote, has made everything even less community-oriented, Garcia says. The more we nuclearize the family, the more people we leave behind. Now, let me stop you there, because I remember when COVID hit, there were some Latter-day Saints who looked upon Russell M. Nelson's trying to get the members more home-centered was actually quite, quote-unquote, prophetic, if you will, because now church members weren't allowed to go meet in their buildings, and they had to meet in their homes. And I remember at least one individual stands out who looked at this as being proof that Russell M. Nelson was a prophet because he was already gearing us to be able to take care of ourselves spiritually when COVID hit. Now, COVID even blindsided Russell M. Nelson. It wasn't like he had any kind of spiritual indication that that was going to happen. But it's interesting how these viewpoints can be so polar opposites. Mr. Garcia sees this move to be more home-centered as a negative. Why? Because as he sees it, it becomes less community-oriented. And that seems to be not only his complaint in this piece, but the complaint of others as well. Garcia sits on a local high council for the church and says members in his Utah County area are still struggling with the notion of ministering teachers or the Come Follow Me curriculum. 
Now, we should explain what that means. The church used to have what they called home teachers, and they were sent out to check up on members just to make sure that they're doing okay and also to educate them in doctrinal positions of the church. Apparently now, they're using this word ministering teachers, and it seems like they've gotten away from the more strict doctrinal outline that they were using before. Mr. Garcia doesn't seem to like that, and it sounds like he also recognized that there's a struggle with this Come, Follow Me curriculum, which, of course, Eric, you are going through that Come, Follow Me curriculum, at least with the section that they're going to be learning in 2022 that has to deal with the Old Testament. And it's interesting, folks, we're learning very quickly that a lot of this curriculum really doesn't have anything to do with an in-depth study of the Old Testament. It has more to do with studying things that are really not in the Old Testament, such as the Book of Moses and the Book of Abraham. Mr. Garcia says he was a big critic of scouting when the church used it with its young men program, but at least the kids had a program. Now, he goes on to say what brought him into the church was a sense of community And without that Mormon identity, I don't know that I would have lasted. I guess what we're hearing from this gentleman, Eric, is if he was a younger person considering joining the church and it was set up like it is now, perhaps he probably would not have been interested in joining it in the first place. Then there's a subheading, Looking for Harmony, Not Conformity. And in this section, they interview a Black Latter-day Saint who happens to live in South Africa. Now, I cannot pronounce her last name to save my life, but her first name, I'm assuming, is pronounced Pumza. Her last name, and I'll just spell it, is S-I-X-I-S-H-E. This is what she has to say. It's almost impossible to build a global community that is not dominated by American culture. Americans still dictate how the church should change and when and how much of our culture can be tolerated and deemed acceptable within the church, she says. Some of the African voices in positions of power are obsequious, or if they have a strong voice, it is shut down. It ends up being a case of groupthink, which means even if the leadership is motivated to truly build a global community, they are not receiving correct feedback. Now, let's look at what she has to say, because this is what I take from this statement. I get the impression that she does not really believe that her church is being led by revelation, because if she really believed that, would it really matter to her that Americans are still dictating how the church should change and when and how much of our culture can be tolerated and deemed acceptable within the church? I can understand her complaint, but it seems to me that she realizes that the white American leadership of the church are using their white American understandings in order to guide the church. She sees a problem with this. If it was really being led by revelation, should she be complaining about this? I would think not. But this is something that she brings up. But when she says that some of the African voices in positions of power, and there are more Africans getting into positions of power. At one time, they were only at best in the second quorum of the 70, which was a five-year appointment. Now they're into the first quorum of the 70. 
we don't see any black members in the Council of the Twelve yet, even though they've been allegedly allowed to be there since 1978 when the church reversed its position when it came to priesthood being given to those of black African heritage. But when she says that some of those voices of power are obsequious, when you look up that word, it means basically obedient to the point of servile. That's an interesting word that she used because it gives the impression that she's looking at this as still we're talking about perhaps the the white master, the black servant. Is that what she's referring to? I don't think this is meant to be taken as a compliment. Do you, Eric? No. But especially when she says, if they have a strong voice, it is shut down. Now, she doesn't give a specific as to what this really means to her or what example she's thinking of, but I don't think this is supposed to be taken as anything but a criticism of the leadership of her church. But then it goes on to cite Farina King, who is a Navajo. What does she have to say? Even in the United States, the church needs to expand its narrative and traditions. A lot of the cultures pushing Pioneer Day, for example, were celebrating white Euro-American colonial settlers. Now, I've got to stop you there because I, I have to express my criticism here because when she brings up Pioneer Day, celebrating white Euro-American colonial settlers, it sounds like this individual has been influenced by critical race theory. I'm trying to be sensitive here, but when I look at the institution of Pioneer Day, I don't think when that was first instituted that the members were trying to celebrate white Euro-American colonial settlers. But that is our culture today. I think that's where we've gone. That's where I think her view, if it's grounded in critical race theory, of course, they're going to change history. This is what critical race theory does. But I get the impression that Pioneer Day was meant more to celebrate, of course, the coming of the pioneers from an area and time period where they were being persecuted for what they believe. And they left that area. And this was kind of like their exodus and Brigham Young, their Moses, leading them into the promised land, which would be the Salt Lake Valley. I just cannot agree with her that they were celebrating white Euro-American colonial settlers. I, I just don't buy that. But then we get to the subheading, Role of Music and Art. And in this portion, Stack interviews Christine Hoglin. She says, in the switch to the two-hour block, there are fewer opportunities for singing together than there used to be, says the former editor of Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought. I also strongly suspect that the new hymnal will be much thinner than the current one, and I feel sad that this part of our tradition seems to be dying. Well, let me stop you there, because a lot of people won't understand that. We know that the LDS Church is going to be instituting a new hymnal. They've had this green hymnal, what, since the mid-1980s, and they came out with an announcement several years ago that they were going to be making some changes in this hymnal. And they were even taking suggestions from the membership as to what should be included in this hymnal. It remains to be seen what direction it goes. Are they going to incorporate more hymns or songs that those of us in evangelical circles like to sing on our Sunday morning in an effort to maybe make them appear more open-minded to 
those who profess to be Christians outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't know. That remains to be seen. But when she talks about in the switch to the two-hour block, now earlier in the article it talked about how in the 80s they they had a three-hour block. Church was three hours long. Recently, they reduced that down to two hours, and a lot of members seem to like that. But she does say there's fewer opportunities for singing together than there used to be. I guess she's kind of echoing some of the same things that Mr. Ignacio Garcia was echoing, that there's this loss of community. And some Latter-day Saints are feeling this loss of community through some of these changes that are being made in their church. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the subheading, What About Worship?, And here we're going to be hearing from Claudia Bushman. Claudia Bushman is the wife of Richard L. Bushman, an LDS historian, one that I still have quite a bit of respect for, mainly because I think Mr. Bushman has been very candid and honest about some of the problems, at least in the historical context of the church. But we hope that you'll be listening tomorrow as we listen to some of the comments made by Claudia Bushman. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. Pastor, could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy-to-understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm.org. Dot org.